Over the past few weeks, Patricia Bates has been talking about giving her testimony and sharing with you about it. And so Wednesday night, she had it all written out and uh, said, wanted me to read it and like to look through it. And I said, uh, you want to do this? And she said, yeah. I said, well, want to do it Sunday night? Well, I don't know about that, but she's ready. So uh, come on, Patricia. Well, my mouth dropped first of all. Okay, when I was a child growing up, it was three of us girls. I was a middle child. Our grandma lived with us, my mom and dad and all of us. She became in between my mama marriage. She she was the boss, and uh, she was really hateful towards us. And so was my daddy. So when my mama came and asked us to, uh, do we want to leave? We said yes. So we've always had it rough. Anyways, so, um, let me get to where I was, cause I just had, I just told it. <laughs> so we had to wear used clothes all our lives, you know, when we were kids and stuff. And when I was like, going to school, everybody picked on me and called me names. And it went on and on as I was older. So I just thought I was stupid and retarded and all that stuff. I didn't think I had no intelligence. I didn't think I was loved by nobody. I was mistreated and abused from a kid on to my adult days, different types of stuff. So... It messed me up, but um, I had a lot of anger and bitterness from all this stuff. And I was lashing out. My mom didn't even know who I was when I was a little girl because I changed. I didn't give, I didn't tell her everything terrible that happened to me. She didn't know because she had to work. So when I turned 50 years old, I got saved. And I gave God, I asked God to take all this bitterness and anger out of me because I just wanted to hurt things, you know. And I would take it out on everybody I love. I didn't take it out on people who done it to me. So when I got saved, my mama seen the change in me. She didn't. She never knew what happened. She just said, "I see the change in you." And so when I lost her on Mother's Day, she knew she had a girl back, and it was rough. But anyways, so God took all this stuff from me. It's a lot of terrible things. I just ain't gonna get into it because it's too much. But I drank and I did all kinds of stuff. But he brought me back to him. And I always asked him if I wasn't saved, but he made sure that I am saved. Because I was raised in a church. So that's basically about it. I didn't tell the whole thing I was right, and I just told it short. Thank you. Amen. Excellent. Thank you. The word is first, Brother Lad. The little outfit. She, uh, Never, never did for a quick profession that God you can tell me every day when we first started going. Mm-hmm. Then we need to start reading the Bible, praying together, and things. So she was a big inspiration to do. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Amen. So she was looking up to me a lot to to be part of the leader. Mm-hmm. Which I was a bad. Guy yeah. Because I wasn't going for the Lord. Amen. So, Amen. Now, because he was in, his, he was going to the state. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I've been fighting the devil my whole there life. There you go. So yeah. He just come towards us. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Amen. Good. Thank you. So the best one you ever met was Jesus, and the second best you ever met was Bubba, huh? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was a family, and you and churches were, I mean, mm-hmm. I love my mama. I knew she loved me, but she had enough too much to take care of in her life. She mm-hmm. had a child that had me and a problem with my younger sister. My older sister, and it just took everything she had to try to take care of it. Amen. She just knew I was a messed up person. Mm. She didn't know. Didn't know all the details. She didn't know everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. She's got a good family now. That's right. Amen. That's right. Sure does. Yeah. Have a family of faith. Alex, could you come get these and hand them out? I meant to ask you to do that before we started, and I failed to, so if you could do it now. What I want to give out to you is a prayer calendar for Vacation Bible School. It starts five weeks from tomorrow, and the calendar is 31 days. So the prayer calendar starts today and ends the first day of Bible School. It's just something to pray for every day about Bible School, a different subject, topic, topic. important thing to pray about so just keep it with you and each day just look on there what we need to pray about today and uh, do that if you would so we'll move along we're going to look at uh, peace that comes from doing good and as we do good we get peace in our life when we do bad we don't have peace and so we want to look at doing good things and finding the peace that we are looking for in life and so sometimes as we Heard that old song that looking for peace in all the wrong places. Looking for love in all the wrong places? Oh, well, I don't know the song, so. Who sings it? Kansas. I, I'd have known that if it was Kansas. <laughs> no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Sure can't. No, you can't. I already heard something else. Somebody, y'all got all kind of comments going now. Anyway, <laughs> I walked into it then. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, moving right along. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul is speaking here and he says, You, us, me, uh, you Christians, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, mm-hmm, you're condemning yourself, Paul said, because you who pass judgment do the same things, and I don't either. I don't do the same thing I judge somebody else for. They're doing something different than I am. Oh, wait a minute. I do the same thing then, don't I? <laughs> so what is judgment? We, we look at this word here, we look at this phrase, and so we want to know what judgment is. If we pass judgment on someone else, and whatever point we judge the other, we're condemning ourselves because when we pass judgment, we do the same thing. So what is it? Judgment means to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong. I determine what's right and wrong. I have decided what's right and wrong. Not you, not me, not God, but I have decided what's right and wrong. So when I say to you that you're doing the wrong thing, based on my opinion, I'm judging you. Do you see how that works in society as a whole? And in a society that we live in, we have a lot of people out there, not in here, of course, we don't, but out there we have people that decide what's right and wrong based on their opinion. We have the majority, we have... A group, we have a segment, or we just have me that says, I have decided here's what's right and what's wrong. And so when I do that, I'm pronouncing my opinion concerning right and wrong, and therefore I'm judging. Or it means also to determine 
a person that's guilty of sin and they need to be punished. I have determined based on my opinion, they're doing wrong, they're guilty of sin, and they need to be punished. I mean right now. That's judging, you see. Now, not that we do that, but people out there do that, don't they? You've, you've seen that probably. You've heard that. You've been around that. You've probably been exposed to it. You've probably had it directed at you, and maybe you've just seen it around. But that's judging. And so he says, when we do this, when we come up with our opinion, our determination, we have decided they are guilty of sin. They need to be punished. Then he says back in verse 1, one more time as we move on through, you therefore have no excuse when you pass this judgment on someone else that's pronouncing the opinion concerning right and wrong. For at whatever point you judge the other, you've determined they're needing to be punished because they're guilty of sin. You're condemning yourself because you pass judgment and do the same thing. You may not do exactly the same thing we say they are guilty of, but what are we guilty of? So in verse 2, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. God will judge, but He bases everything He does on truth and fact and what the Word says, what He says, and we know it's always right. We know it's always true. So when He passes judgment, it's always correct based on truth, not on an opinion, not on popular belief, not on the majority, what the majority says, but simply what God says. God has determined what is right, what is wrong based on His Word, and there's where we have to determine here's what's right, here's what's wrong. Not on opinion, not on belief, not on what somebody said, not on what I read in the book, not on what the majority believes, but based on what God says. God says. And so when we hear all these things about here's what's right, here's what's wrong out in society, are they basing it on God's Word or are they basing it on the opinion? So many times you see it based on the opinion rather than on God's Word because if you start quoting God's Word to somebody, when they're making a judgment based on opinion, you bring out God's Word, we're going to shut down and hurry, aren't we? We're not going to listen to that. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear the truth, the truth. We want to hear simply what the majority says. Well, verse 3 goes on to say, So when you, a mere man, a mere person, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, whoever they are, yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment? If God makes judgment based on truth, and we're judging other people based on what we think is correct, or what we think is incorrect, are we then going to escape God's judgment? Because God's going to judge based on truth. Well, or verse 4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness and His tolerance and His patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? Do you believe in your lifetime, however old you may be tonight, do you believe in your lifetime that God has been kind, tolerant, and patient with you? <laughs> he has, hasn't he? I mean, I'll, I'll raise both hands, you know, for me. Uh, he has. He has been very kind, very tolerant, very patient with me all through my life. And so we understand that he does that with us. He, we understand we see it in our own life and we know it in our own life. And we look around the, in society as a whole too. And we know that he is kind, he is tolerant, he is patient. But why? Why, God? Why don't you go ahead and condemn? Why don't you go ahead and judge? Why don't you go ahead and sentence? Why don't you go ahead and punish? Like right now of all these things that I could come up with a whole list on. Why don't you go ahead and do it, God? Because I'm kind, tolerant, and patient with them just like I am with you, he says. And wanting my kindness and my tolerance and my patience lead somebody to repentance. Because he's always patient, always drawing 
always calling, always leading us to come into that relationship with Him that's close, personal, and alive, not wanting to just cut somebody off, not just wanting to send somebody to death, but simply to say, I want to give you a chance. I want to give you another day. I want everybody to be saved, it says in Peter. And so because of that, he has to be kind, he has to be tolerant, has to be patient with me, with you, and everybody in the world because it's leading us to the repentance that he wants us to come to. Verse 5, he goes on to say, but, but, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, can you believe the Bible says stubborn? I mean, of all the words God could have come up with, he, don't, he just had to say stubborn, didn't he? Oh, it's true, okay. <laughs> well, all right, there you go. Uh, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're not willing to come to that point of repentance, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. So God says, okay, I'm patient with you, I'm kind with you, I'm tolerant with you, I want you to come to that point of repentance, but if you want to be stubborn, you want to be unrepentant, you're just storing up wrath for yourself and building up toward that day when the wrath will be poured out, when the judgment will be poured out, because it's going to be revealed in God's day, God's time, when He gets ready to do it His way, not our way. And so many times we look around and say, well, you know, God, they've been doing all this stuff, whatever this stuff is, for a long time. Why don't you do something now? God says, because I'm kind, tolerant, patient, and I'm wanting them to come to the point of repentance. But nevertheless, if they're going to be stubborn, going to be unrepentant, they're building up wrath against themselves. They're bringing it on themselves. Isn't that odd that so many times we bring on problems on our own self? Isn't that funny? Because the world says, no, you didn't. You've got to find somebody else to blame for your problems. You didn't bring that on yourself. It's the way you raised. It's the way the teacher taught you. It's the, the neighbor. It's the friend. It's the guy at work, the girl at work. It's all these other people that are around you. It's their fault that you're going through what you're going through. That's, that's what you have to do is blame somebody else. It takes it off us then, you see. And then God comes along and says, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> I got another way. I say it's you're stubborn and you're unrepentant. And therefore, you're storing up wrath against your own self for the day of God's wrath and when His righteous judgment will be revealed. And so it's all on us. We bring it on ourselves. So verse 6 goes on to say, God will give to each person according to what He has done. Meaning what? Verse 7 says, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, He'll give eternal life. So as we seek to do good, persistently, consistently, working through it, I'm going to do good, I'm going to do good, I'm going to do good, we're going to find that we're going to be glorified in heaven, we're going to be honored in heaven, we're going to be immortal, we're going to be living eternally there in heaven with Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and all the other saints that have already gone ahead of us because we're persistent and consistent in doing good. But notice the word persistent there. If you're persistent, what are you? What is the word persistence mean anyway? All right, keep on keeping on. Any other word? Dogmatic. Enduring, hanging in there, keeping going, meaning over a lifetime, I'm going to do good today. 
and I'm going to do good tomorrow, and I'm going to do good in the next day, and the next week, next month, next year, because I did good yesterday, last week, last month, last year, and I am persistent in it. And so as a result of doing that, we're storing up glory, honor, and immortality. It's going to give us, give us eternal life. But verse 8 says, for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. So on one hand, there's that one person by persistent doing good. On the other hand, by persistence, they're doing wrong. One is doing right. One is doing wrong. One's going where God wants them to go. One's going where they want to go. One's living by the Word of God. One's living by the world standards. So we're going in two different directions, doing two different things. One's going to get eternal life. One will not. And it's just very clear cut, very divided down the line. One's on one side, one's the other. We talk about sometimes people riding the fence. We don't do that. The Bible doesn't talk about there's there's not any way to ride the fence. It's either you're in the kingdom or you're outside the kingdom. Either saved or you're lost. Either in or you're out. There is no kind of kind of saved, maybe saved. You know, I think I am. I'm probably going to heaven. I hope I go to heaven. You know, those kind of things. We're either in or we're out. We're either lost or we're saved. There's no in between. And so, same he's saying about persistence doing good, persistent doing evil. If we're going to be self-seeking, we want to reject the truth, we want to follow evil, well, just know we're storing up wrath for ourselves when God's going to reveal it to us. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And so even Paul, as we looked at this morning, said, even Jews have to be saved. Even Jews have to be born again. Even Jews were God's people there in the Old Testament, but even Paul and Peter and all those others that wrote most of the New Testament said, we too got to be saved too. <laughs> and so it is today that those outside of Judaism, the Gentiles, you and I, that if we're uh, uh, causing trouble, causing stress, be for every human being who does evil, then we're going to find trouble because the word trouble there simply means this. There'll be trouble for all those who do evil. What is that? There'll be tribulation. We bring on tribulation. There'll be anguish. We bring it on. There'll be persecution. We bring that on. There'll be burdens on us. We bring it on ourselves. There's going to be pressure on us. We bring it on ourselves. There's a pressing together. We bring it on ourselves. And not all the time does that happen that way. But if we're going to do the wrong thing, we're going to live wrong, act wrong, be wrong, do evil things, we're going to bring this on ourselves. We're going to cause trouble to ourselves and others around us. We're going to bring that anguish into our life. We're going to bring that persecution, that pressure, that pressing together. There's a tightness there. There's a squeezing there. It's like uh, the life is being pressed out of me. Well, that's because we're causing trouble doing wrong, so it's going to come on us. But it's also going to be distress, not just the trouble, but also distress, meaning anguish, extreme affliction. Something's bad, but it's an extreme bad. It's calamity. Uh, we know about calamity sometimes, you know, some days just seem like everything falls apart on that one day. You know, that broke this morning, that broke around noon, that broke by the afternoon. I need to start all over, you know, because everything's falling apart. We've got calamity going on here. And so that's distress. It's a narrow place. You know, I'm squeezed. I can hardly get through. It's a set of difficult circumstances that seem to have no way out. How do we get there? We bring it on ourselves so many times because we're persistent in doing the wrong thing. And so you see people out there that are going through these kind of things right here, extreme affliction, calamity, anguish, and you begin to look at the pattern in their life 
and you see, oh, they live wrong every day. They do evil every day. They're going in the wrong direction every day. They're going away from God rather than toward God. No wonder they have calamities all the time. No wonder they feel like they're in a narrow place. They're being squeezed in all the time. No wonder they have a set of difficult circumstances that appear to them there's no way out because they're always going in the wrong direction. So God is saying, here's the trouble. Here's the distress that's going to come on everybody who does evil. Well, it goes on in verse 10 then, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And so we see the word glory, we see the word honor, but we see the word peace that we've been looking at since January. If we're going to do good, we're going to find peace. If we're going to do the right thing, we're going to find peace. If we live right according to God's way, God's law, God's word, God's will, we're going to find peace for everyone who does good. On the other hand, the one who uh, looks for trouble, lives by trouble, they're only, only going to find trouble and distress. Verse 11, for God does not show favoritism. Isn't that amazing? You ever seen a place that shows favoritism? You ever seen a family that shows favoritism? Even parents, brothers, sisters, family, you know, show favoritism. I mean, we see it. Maybe you didn't come up in any of that. I didn't, but, you know, sometimes people do that I counsel with so many times that came up in favoritism that this child got more, got praise, got all these blessings from mom and dad that this one didn't get for whatever reason. And so it does a lot to a person. And yet with God, says God says, I don't show favoritism. I don't favor one over the other. I don't favor one race, one person, one uh, wealth or non-wealth or poverty or anything. I don't favor one over the other. He said, I am an equal opportunity employer. I employ everybody who wants to come into the kingdom. I'll give you a job to do. And he said, I don't show favoritism. So when somebody does good, pleasing me, serving me, doing for me, you got my favor. When somebody's doing evil, doing the wrong, you don't have my favor. And so he doesn't, you know, distinguish between the person. He distinguishes between the right and wrong. So a person's habitual conduct, whether it's good or evil, simply reveals the condition of the heart. Uh, When we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, persistently, as we looked at in Scripture a moment ago, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, we're doing the right thing, the good thing all the time, persistently, then it's revealing our heart, what our heart's really made of. If we're doing evil day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, we're also revealing our heart, where our heart is. It's not right with God. Uh, It's not in the right condition. So eternal life is not rewarded for good living. Eternal life is rewarded for salvation through Christ. So it's not saying that because we do good, we're going to heaven. There's nothing in there about that. It's simply saying we're going to heaven. So between now and when we get there, we're just going to do good. We're going to live a good life. We're going to do what God wants us to do. And it's just showing the condition of our heart. Our heart's right with God, so we're going to live right for God. And so the eternal life is simply rewarded when we're saved, born again through Christ. So a person doing good shows their new heart, and it brings them peace every time. It brings us peace every day. When we have that new heart, when we're born again, we're saved. And we're living that life, that good life today and tomorrow and the next day and right on through every single day. 
that's going to bring us peace. We're going to have peace in our life because we know we're living right, doing right, pleasing God, and the peace comes into our life. But the person doing evil shows their old heart, not a new heart, the one they had they were born with because they haven't been born again. It brings them no peace. A lost person living for self has no peace. And sometimes we look at people that are lost and wonder, you know, it's one of those head-scratching things like, why are they doing that? Why are they acting that way? Why, what's, what's going on here? Because they don't have peace in their life. Why are they always arguing and getting upset and, and lashing out and saying those things at work and at school and home and wherever they are and they just can be mean and all these sort of things. And why are they always doing that? Because they don't have a new heart. They've never been born again and they have no peace in their life. They're not at peace with themselves. They're not at peace with God. So therefore, they're not going to be at peace with you. And no matter what you do, bring peace in that relationship. You can work at it. You can pray over it. You can strive over it. You can do all you can to make there a peace relationship between you and that other person that's lost and without God. And it's not going to happen. There won't be peace in that relationship until that person also has peace in their life like you do. And you're both going in the same direction. It's kind of like the triangle again. As both people go toward Jesus, those two people go closer together. If they're going away from Jesus, they're going away from each other. If one's going to Jesus and the other one's going the other way, still no relationship there, still going further apart. And so both have to be going toward God to have that peace in the relationship and to have peace with God. So be persistent this week. Do the good thing. No matter what anybody else does, what anybody else says, you do right, you do good because of that new heart that you have, because you're born again, you're saved, and let peace come into your life because you're doing the right thing no matter what anybody else does.